Hi, this is Bob, and today I have an interview with Altered Minds. They have released an amazing good time metal album called Resurrected in Time. For a good time, put this one in. And here is my interview with Altered Minds. Hello, my friend. Hey, how's it going? Going great. How are you? Uh, you know, I'm getting myself uh, sorted out here. <laughs> you know what it's like working nights sometimes and uh, taking your day off and like, oh, what do I have to do today when everybody's got a list of things for you to do? So today my day was freed up so I can hang and talk with you for a bit. <laughs> That's great. I wanted to congratulate you on Resurrected in Time. It's a great album. Oh, I do appreciate that. Uh, we, we are actually quite taken back by all the response we got from it uh, because it was not a uh, like a really a planned type of thing, you know. Um, we actually re recorded it, almost all of it, in 2019. Um, you know, it was just done something that was... Uh, I had songs written for a while, um, and the drummer on the actual album... Uh, Mike Maroney is the drummer from the band Awaken. They've been friends of mine since we were old childhood friends. And, uh, you know, he built a studio in, in New York. Uh, we're all from Long Island. And, uh, you know, so we were all have the same musical, uh, I guess, influences, friends and whatnot. You know, everybody on Long Island and New York seems to know each other. Uh, <laughs> and uh, he's like, hey, you know, I got the studio built. You want to record one or two songs? And I'm like, yeah, you know, why not for the fun of it? You know, because I was in the process of setting up a studio for myself. And, you know, all of a sudden, you know, it turned into nine songs. Um, the covers actually weren't even supposed to be on there because the two Maiden covers we did were done for these like tribute, uh, you know, compilation CDs that mm -hmm. we were asked to play on. And uh, well, like they came out really good. Just throw them on the CD. Um, Man of the Silver Mountain was just recorded as a uh, like a, a practice tune to see how everything was going to sound. And it actually sounded good. We're like, well, we got to keep this now. So, yeah. Um, and then, yeah, it was just, uh, you know, things started just spitballing from there. It wasn't, uh, totally not planned. Um, you know, I called my old singer from Altered Minds cause we were a band, uh, in the nineties, uh, when metal and rock was still pretty prevalent on Long Island and in the New York scene. Um, and for whatever reasons, you know, you go your own ways. Uh, Mike's the singer, Mike Curso has been singing forever. You know, he's, he's known very well you know, on the Long Island, New York circuit be it for singing rock, uh, singing classic rock, metal, whatever you want, you know, call it. He's just a known singer. <clears throat> so I was like, you know, I got to give him a call. I'm sure the musical whore that he is, I'm sure he'll jump on without any questions. <laughs> asked. And that's pretty much what happened. He's like, oh, yeah, let's do it, you know. And then it was just trying to find players. Uh, I played all the guitars on everything. I, rec I wrote everything. So I'm like, I would love to have got my original guitar player uh, from back in the day in the band to record Chris Chasino. And, you know, we were planning on, yeah, Chris, come on in, you know, let's, let's lay this, these tunes down that we had. Uh, but then COVID happened. Right. Um, and but by then I had already recorded all the rhythm guitars and my leads and everything. And then, you know, I was doing the same kind of thing through social networking, trying to find a bass player. Cause our original bass player, we haven't heard from him in about 25 years and nobody knows how to get a hold of him. I started playing on the bass on the album and I'm like, it sounds like a guitar player trying to play bass, you know, and it just, well, I mean, I, I wasn't locking in it. So I was like, this sounds not good, you know? So 
just try and reaching out for people. You know, that's the one thing where social media is actually kind of cool in a respect. Uh, there is a huge musicians community out there for all styles of music. So, you know, I put feelers out and I got a lot of responses, but, you know, it's it's busy for a lot of people. So it's like, yeah, I'll do it. I'll do it. And then, you know, never hear from them. So, you know, I contacted the bass player on the album, uh, Freddie Villano, another friend of mine, childhood friend. We used to work in the same guitar store together. Mm-hmm. Uh, he's an established player. I mean, he played with Quiet Riot. He's recorded and played with D. Snyder's Widowmaker. He's uh, done tons of session work, and he's uh, a contributing editor for Bass Player Magazine. And it was sort of the same thing. I'm like, hey, Freddie, you want to play on one or two tunes? Uh, he's like, yeah, yeah. And then, you know, he's like, hey, can I play on another song? Can I play another song? Yeah. Freddie, why don't you just play in the whole thing? He's like, yeah, that'd be great. You know, so so a fun, it, it was fun for all of us. You know, we were having fun. We, were, we each had our own recording setups. And, you know, that's the way you record records nowadays. Everybody's in different parts of the world. And, uh, you know, and then I put feelers out because the other guitar player, I couldn't get through. He couldn't get a rig set up to do his recording since we are all separated. I'm originally from New York, but I live in Connecticut now. Uh, the bass player, Freddie, lives in upstate New York. The singer and the drummer, <clears throat> excuse me, both live in Queens. So they're, you know, they're the only ones that are really near each other. And uh, the guitar player, Chris, just he couldn't get a setup to do it. And he and he's a, he's a gigging guitar player, too. He's done a lot of stuff. And he's just like, I don't know if my schedule is going to permit it. I'm like, you know what? It's it's fine. Like I said, this, this was a no pressure recording. So it wasn't like, Chris, I need you to do this. I got to get this done type of thing. Right. So, yeah, I just sent out feelers through all my friends on Facebook going, hey, uh, you know, you guys want to drop a solo on a song here? You want to do this? And, you know, I didn't think I was going to get any sort of response. But everybody was like, yes, yes, I want to do this. I want to play on this. I mean, and I got some insane players on there. I mean, uh, Mike Flint's from Riot. I mean, everybody knows who Riot is. He's was one of my first guitar teachers and still a good friend, you know, after almost 35, 40 years. You know, he's just like, yeah, of course I'll play on it, you know. And then, you know, I just, just through social media, a couple of killer players, and just asked me, hey, you want to drop a solo? Hey, you want to drop a solo? And pff, next thing you know, we have a nine-song LP, CD, call it what you will. <laughs> but, uh, but yeah, thanks to COVID, it took us a whole whole year just to finish it because it sucked. Every, you know, I would go into New York to do the mixing with Mike. And once the pandemic hit, it was just like, you know what? Don't worry about it. Everybody's got to do what they got to do. Uh, and literally like January of this year, I finally got back to New York when they started opening things up here on the East coast and we started going through stuff. All right, let's fix what we got to fix. Let's do what we got to do. And then we were doing mixing via like almost like zoom meetings, you know, he'd do a mix, send it to me. I could mm-hmm. take it, send it back to him. And that, that's how this whole thing came together sort of. So yeah, pretty, uh, and uh unconventional is the word i'm looking for (laughs) yeah right you know but uh but yeah the response we've been getting is just unheard of because this like i said this was done as a fun project for us and now you know i've gotten calls from so many people like oh where do i get the cd can we talk to you about this you know and it's just like holy crap (laughs) (laughs) i didn't sign up for this you know but it's um, (laughs) Right. I'm not gonna lie to you, man. It feels good after being a mu- you know musician for so many years. All those years, you're in a band, and your goal is I want to do this, I want to get this done, and nothing happens. And now, when you're doing it as fun, suddenly like people are recognizing, and you're like, all right, why couldn't this happen 30 years ago? 
you know? Right. <laughs> so. Well, I wanted to ask you about Alone in the Dark because it is a killer opener. Can you uh, talk about the song? Yeah, so that song um, was written. It's so funny. It was written as a uh, originally as an instrumental. Uh, and, you know, my influences, uh, I mean, I wrote all the music on the whole thing. So, I mean, you'll, you'll, you can hear a lot of my influences. My favorite band of all time is Iron Maiden. And it's really because my love for two guitar player harmony came from Dave Murray and Adrian Smith's writing. <clears throat> and uh you know so i was always wanted to be in a two guitar player band because i'm like you know what you got two guitars you can make like you can really make some wicked melodies and stuff see that's why i used to differentiate like maiden from priest love the two guitar players and priest also my one of my favorite bands but maiden's melodic stuff the harmonies you know were big to me and that's when i was writing that song it was originally written as an instrumental you know, with a lot of the mm -hmm. melody lines were going to be on guitar. And we used, you know, I used to record it as an instrumental because, you know, it was cool. And then the singer from the band Awaken, Glenn DeGrasse, another childhood friend. I mean, we all these guys have been friends since we were kids. Or uh, we were doing some recordings, uh, just, you know, mess around recordings. And I'm like, hey, uh, you know, I played the song. He goes, he goes, what are the lyrics of this? I'm like, I don't have anything. This was recorded as an instrumental. And he's like, all right, give me a couple of days. And, you know, and he came back with lyrics and a melody. And I was like, wow, like, this isn't what I expected, you know? And then it sort of turned, sort of turned that progressive way, more like a Fates Warning, Queensryche type of vibe to it, you know? Yeah. And, uh, and funny, that song <clears throat> was, had a different intro and everything. But when I sent it out to Mike to do the drums, because what happened with the drums on this is I did a lot of the programming at home just so I would have a click track and mm -hmm. I said to Mike, I go, Hey, this is, this is just what I came up with. This isn't, you know, what I want, but I needed something for a click track to be able to send you an idea of the song. And, you know, the guy's a ridiculous drummer. He's just like, give me the click. And he started jamming to it. And he played along the, the same vibe that I had, you know, I wanted to get that almost like that from fates that Mark Zonder feel that, you know, he did on some of the fates albums, you know, uh, not so much like Portnoy, because I mean, those guys are phenomenal, but I'm not gonna, I can't write and play like that type of stuff. So, <laughs> but Mike was able to get some really good grooves. And then Freddie just, he's so professional that he's just like, what do you think of this? And I'm like, dude, it's like we wrote this together, you know, he, he knew what to put on it, you know. So, so Glenn came up with the lyrics and stuff. And that song was not written like, to be recorded like now we actually recorded the demo that years ago so when the singer mike came in mike has got a great flair uh he's he's got a bluesy background so you know as opposed to like most metal singers that are pretty much will sing along the melody you don't hear too many fluctuations i mean you heard him in like guys like dio and like even halford when he sings more of his soulful stuff uh mike has got that vibe because he's not a really a metal singer, he likes to bring in a little bit more inflections with his vocals, gives it more of a bluesy sound. So, so we were surprised when he sang it, like, wow, you know, this actually sounds pretty cool. And um, I had all the guitars written, even the, the long solo, but I was just getting lazy. So I called my friend <laughs> from the band Awoken Infinium out in uh, St. Louis area. I'm like, hey, dude, you want to drop a solo on this? And he just assumed it was going to be like a short little clip. I'm like, no, dude, I'm going to play the clean, the beginning solo. I have a solo written, but I think you could probably come up with something cool. Maybe we'll go back and forth with it. 
and he did the whole solo and i'm like you know what i'm not gonna play with this this is this worked out perfect you know so i let him do mm-hmm. it the guitars at the end and then <clears throat> it's funny because when the song was recorded it was pretty straightforward guitars like minimal guitar tracks then when i got my studio up and running and i realized i could put like a million guitar tracks and overdubs on if i wanted to I started doing that and I started annoying my drummer, Mike, because he was the one who was going to have to mix it. And he was giving me like, how many guitar tracks are you going to put on this? I'm like, dude, I have unlimited tracks. I'm going to layer the fuck out of this thing. <laughs> you know, I'm like I want it to sound big. And uh, yeah, apparently it does sound kind of big, but, uh, but yeah, we, I right away from the beginning when I heard it, I'm like, this would be a good opener, you know, just because it, it starts off with that, like just mellow groove and then sort of just kicks in, you know? And then uh, King of Deception. Um, it has this great single feel. I wanted to ask you about the melody development on that song. You know, it's funny. That song was not even thought of as a single. And lately, people have been asking us, hey, you know, that, that song, it's like you said, it's got that single feel. I mean, like I said, these songs, we when we wrote them, when I wrote the stuff, I don't think of anything like how would this go across. I just write what I'm, you know, what it's. I guess like most guys, it's just like write something and see where it goes. Same type of thing. The melody on that was a pretty straightforward hard rock melody. But Mike Accurso, when he came in and he tends to, he has his own vibe with things. He brought it, he gave it that harder edge, but also almost like that commercial edge to it, if you, I guess you could call it, that gives it that single feel, you know, and that's, that's really all Mike Accurso. Everything on this, uh, you know, when I when it was written, it's pretty much straightforward, like metal, like boom, boom. It's going to be, you know, four, four. It's going to be on the beat. This is very much how it goes. And the mic comes in and just with his inflections on the way he'll do certain phrasing and stuff, you know, it really opens the songs up to more than just a straight metal tune, I guess. You know, I don't know. Does that, does that make sense? <laughs> Absolutely. And so, I yeah, also... So- that's where that melody came from. It was something that I had written with uh, my original singer years ago, Scott Estrada playing the song you know and i'm like you know this is this we could probably work this out and when mike mike what he does is he just riffs over stuff when he sings and uh we were in this you know me michael maroney and him were in the studio recutting vocals and i'm like yeah i like that yeah you know i mean me and the singer have a great rapport we've been friends for a long time and i can tell him without having you know a singer attitude going oh i'm not going to do this i'm like i'm like dude try this no i don't like this try this because uh before I was in this band, I used to do a lot of engineering and producing for bands. So I, I've got that mentality of like, I know how to make this sound better. Let me give you an idea. And mm-hmm. Mike is great with that. So I could throw this on like, dude, you know what? A little less journey, a little more Queens, right? You know, that type of vibe. And he's like, oh, okay. Right. You know? And that's why working with him has just been great uh, over the years because I can just give him something. I go, all right, make it work. You know? I also wanted to ask you about leaving it all again. Is that a song um, lyrically personal in nature? No, no. That's what my wife said. She's like, "Who's this about?" I'm like, "I didn't write the lyrics to this one." You know, yeah. <laughs> that that song was funny because I I had bought this Elisa's drum machine uh, a few years back. Uh, I saw it. I was like thirty bucks for an Elisa's drum machine. Nobody uses drum machines anymore, so I'm like, let me buy this. And I just started playing acoustic over it. And it's sort of just like, yeah, it's kind of like, so I gave it to my old singer, Scott. Uh, now, Scott Estrada was the original singer in Altered Minds. He grew up with me uh, since we were in elementary school. And he's the one I used to write everything with because he was great. I could just throw a stupid guitar part down and he would start singing over it, you know, and be like, oh, that's cool. Let's use this. Let's use this. And that's And that's how a lot of stuff got written back then. 
So I don't know if it was, he wrote the lyrics to that. I don't know if it was something personal on his account, if he was having issues with some girl or something. <laughs> I, I can't answer that. I just like the melody. And I told Mike, I mean, I think we changed one or two lyrics around just to get a better flow for the song. Cause Scott as a lyricist is great, but sometimes like the lyrics, I, I listen back now to stuff we recorded back then. I'm like, this makes no sense. You know, it's almost like he was just rhyming words to make it work, you know? <laughs> so now when we do rewrites, you know, that's what's kind of cool about having uh, Michael Maroney's input, the drummer, and Mike Accurso. You know, they're like, here's the lyrics. Like, oh, we need to change this. I'm like, all right, cool. Like, it was so funny. There was a certain, like, King of Deception, when we first wrote it, Mike Maroney's like, dude, what did Paul Stanley write the lyrics to this song? I'm like, all right, dude, I, I got your point, all right? <laughs> Yeah. <laughs> I'm a huge Kiss fan. Ace Frehley's the reason I wanted to play guitar, but no, I, I don't follow Paul Stanley's lyrical content when I write songs. <laughs> right. so, so that's how we started doing that. And it was, yeah, it was, there was nothing to it. That song was another one where I always just loved the sound of acoustic guitar. And I wanted to do, uh, you know, I just wanted to record something with an acoustic. And it was like a jam. I just did it and the singer started singing over it. And I had, I never paid attention to the lyrics or anything. I just, you know, I was concentrating on making it really musical, you know, uh, and then it just came about. And yeah, people will ask me, who's this about? I'm like, I don't know. I'm like, I, as many girl problems as I've had over the years before I got married, I go, I, there's not one person that sticks out to me that I would write a song about, you know? <laughs> so, right. <laughs> so yeah, I'll have to ask my sing, old singer, Scott, if there was somebody uh, he was emotionally involved to with that song, but nothing on my end, I can tell you that much. <laughs> And if you had to pick a favorite track off the album, what would it be and why? Um, you know what? Um, I love Alone in the Dark just because, like you said, just the way it starts the album off, it has a great buildup to it, you know, because it's got that slow groove. But my favorite song, my favorite solo to play, just the chorus and everything, is Planet of the Crossings. Um, it's just, you know, I was funny because we never had that little intro in the beginning with, like, the Egyptian feel to it. That song I wrote the lyrics to because I'm I'm big into like ancient civilizations, ancient Egypt. And when my singer Scott came to me with the melody on that song, I'm like, this would be a great song just to write about, you know, pharaohs and the afterlife. And uh, I started just jamming on that, you know, I had the same thing. I got the drums going and I just started jamming on it. And that song started flowing. I, I think what I like about it is that chorus on it. Um, you know, like in the beginning, you get the short chorus. So it gives you like a feel for what's coming up. And then it's just the song, Freddie and Mike, the job they did on the drums and bass on that really drive that song. Because I'm just playing straight guitars. I'm not chugging. I'm not doing any sort of gallops, like a maiden type of thing. I'm just hitting the chords and letting them ring. But the bass and the drums are giving it that like almost tribal vibe to it, if you will. Mm -hmm. and the the solo section is just one of my, it's one of my favorites. I got the first solos done by uh, Ben Higgins. He's real famous youtube guitar player who's done uh these videos 101 uh, guitar players in one solo he's got his own like uh you know master class for its lessons i found him about seven years ago on youtube when i first saw that video and i was just like this guy's insane i mean he can play like everything uh and then i actually did some video mentoring with him because i had stopped playing guitar for a very long time um i've been playing since i was 17 i'm 54 now and i stopped for about 15 years i just stopped uh you know i had my guitars i i kept my marshall i kept my guitar i'm like you know what i'm not gonna play anymore and 
I didn't really have like any vibe for it. I started doing other things. I traveled a lot. Uh, you know, I worked for the airline, so I was doing a lot of that. And then about six years ago, <clears throat> I got hurt at work and tore my rotator cuff and I was home for a couple of months. And my wife's like, you know, your 50th birthday's coming up. And so she bought me an Adrian Smith Jackson because Adrian Smith's my favorite guitar player all the time. And I'm like, I would love to have one of his guitars. Once she got me that, I started playing nonstop again with more fever than when I was playing as a kid working in a guitar store. And that's when I started writing again and stuff. And I started writing stuff. And I'm like, I got to be a better player than this. I'm like, you know, this is the age of YouTube. You I mean, you look at guitar players out there that it's like, Jesus Christ. I mean, where are these guys coming from, you know? And these guys that are sitting in their rooms locking themselves up playing. And I'm like, I, I could never put out anything that would I would want to say that was me playing because you listen to the next guy and you're like, holy shit, you know? So I hooked up with Ben uh, and he did video mentoring. And for about a year, I just did a bunch of lessons with him. You know, just, I, I had all the technique and stuff. I just learned more. And he became a real good friend of mine. And I told him, I go, Hey, I'm putting, I was recording the song. This song was just one of those, let's record a song type of thing. I'm like, dude, you want to drop a solo on it? And I'm thinking, you know what? I'm asking a really killer player to j jump on a song, which I hope he has the confidence in me to play along with. And he was like, yeah, he goes, dude, your solo kicks. He goes, I want to play on that. And his solo and my solo just melted so well together. The whole song, even though it's got that Egypt, the whole thing, it has an Egyptian vibe doesn't have that like harmonic minor sound to it or anything that you would expect from like, say a power slave or Egypt, the chains are on by deal, mm -hmm. but it still works, you know? And that's, that was, we actually made a video for that song about two years ago. It was like a teaser video. And I was surprised that people weren't asking more about this song than they are about King of Deception and a lot of the dark, to be honest, but that, that is my favorite cut. Uh, it's just this, uh, it's a great driving song. Dude, once it kicks in and I get on the road to go to work, it's just like crank that up and it just, it just drives well, you know? Right. Um, I also wanted to ask you, um, with the logistics of the band, will you be able to tour the album at all? You know what? We've, we've talked about it. And right now the drummer Mike is in the process of recording the third Awaken album. They're, uh, they're signed by Pure Steel. This would be they uh, they're really a progressive like dream theater Camelot type of band. Um, so they're in the process of doing that. And we're in the process of pre -pro in pre-production of our next thing. And yeah, we are, you know, even though Freddie, like I said, we're all we're all pretty close within like a two hour radius of each other. I'm actually the first because the other guys are still in New York. And we've talked about it, like, you know, we should do this. We should do this. And I, like, you know, we never thought we were going to get the response we're getting. So it was never a thought like, yeah, let's, you know, let's gig something about this. But now we're getting a lot of people going, hey, you want to do this gig? You want to do this gig? And like up here in New England, I was blown away that there is a huge metal scene up here. You know, in New York, there used to be a great metal scene back in the day. But now it's more of like a cover band place. You know, there's, if you're in a cover band, and you're living in Long Island in New York area, you're going to make a lot of money. People are going to come see you play. Up here in New England, there's pretty decent amount of metal venues, and there's a good metal following. So I told them, you know, you guys want to do some gigs up here. So we are, we are definitely planning, uh, hopefully, to do at least the first show to do like a, a CD release type of thing because people have been asking for it. And that would be something we do in New York. And then, you know, we take it from there. Um, we don't want to rush the next CD. The songs are all written. You know, I have everything written. Uh, and you know, Mike is the curse. Uh, the drummer is right now in the process of the awakened stuff. So I would never take him away from that, but he's like, listen, you know, 
we could do this. Send, let's start, you can start working on the stuff, you know, um, let's do it. And, you know, we are open to, but it's not, it wasn't something planned. None of this was planned. You know what I'm saying? It's just, mm-hmm. this was done so I can give my kids something when I'm going to go, Hey, look, our dad was kind of cool. He recorded the CD, you know, <laughs> <That's> <laughs> really, really like, you know? but, but, you know, the door is always open to everything. Um, but I would never pull these guys away from their, their obligations. They have like Mike, the obligation with Awaken is, you know, big because, you know, he's, this is their second album on Pure Steel and they're in the process of recording that. And we're still going to be recording our stuff. Uh, Freddie, the bass player, plays with a lot of guys. Like I said, session player, bass player, magazine writer. He's always available. He's like, you know, I'll make time for it. And the singer, Mike, just wants to sing. He's like, dude, I'll sing anywhere, anytime, anything. So, so yeah, so that that is always something that could happen. Um it's it's not it's never a no like we're not going to do this uh we got friends of ours in europe uh in this band air force uk uh which has uh doug sampson the original drummer from maiden in there you know there they come over to the u.s and do stuff they did a tour a couple of years ago and once these covid restrictions hopefully ease up eventually they want to come back here and they asked us you know would you guys want to do double uh you know bills with us and you know we were like yeah you know, we'll do it, you know? So that's the beauty of this band is I'm working with such professional players. And now the original guitar player in the band, Chris Chisino is back in the fold. So he's going to be playing on the next CD. Uh, it'll be me and him. I'll be playing all the rhythm guitars as usual, my leads. And then Chris will be in. So it'll be more of an original altered minds. Basically we're just missing the original drummer and bass player. Uh, we just don't know where they are. Um, but you know, so they're all on board. To like, yeah, you know, let's if we if it comes to that, yeah, let's do it. So, it's never a closed door, if you will. You know. Mm-hmm. And um, we talked a little bit about it. Um, what are some other artists that inspired you to play? Um. So, from an early age, I think it was funny. My first concert, I was ten years old. Uh, it was Kiss the dynasty tour and Judas priest, British steel opening. Uh, my father was funny. It was me and four of my friends. We're all 10 years old, right? He basically took us to the Nassau Coliseum on Long Island. He gave me 10 bucks. He goes, call me when it's over. Cause he wasn't going to go in. Right? <laughs> right. year old kids. I mean, kiss was in their heyday back then. This was the dynasty tour. I started listening to kiss, you know, when rock and roll over and destroyer came out and, you know, I wanted to be ace freely. You know, so who didn't want to be Kiss at that point, right? So he takes us to we see Kiss, and you know, Chris was great, but what stuck out to me, this is just before British Steel came out, and all I remembered from that show, you know, was the guy with the flying V and the guy that rode out on the Harley. The next uh-huh. year, the next summer, British Steel became huge, living after midnight, breaking the law, we're on the radio everywhere, and I was like. I became I started becoming a big priest fan. So now I'm like 11 years old. I'm a priest fan. Uh, a year was it two years later? Uh, my cousin took me to a show in Long Island uh, at the stage. I got to see this band called Iron Maiden with a singer named Paul Diano, and you know it was like most Maiden fans that went at an early age. They saw the album cover, like, "Ooh, what is this?" You know, you see the little cover of Killers, and you're like, "Holy crap!" Right. You know, and <laughs> so that was my first introduction to Maiden. Now, I didn't start playing guitar till about three years later. Like when we were in junior high, 
it became the thing to do. Metal started to get big. You know, you had the new wave of new wave of British heavy metal bands. Obviously, like Maiden forefronting it. You know, Priest becoming bigger. So it's, everybody started learning how to play guitar. So in our little clique of friends, all of us started playing guitar together. You know, and then that's where I think musically I started getting more into like hearing the music instead of just wanting to play. And that's where main the two guitar, the harmony stuff just like absolutely blew me away. I'm like, this is so melodic. And to this day, when I listen to bands and there's two guitar players, I look for that. I like, I love like old school stuff like Boston, Tom Schultz on the first album hit the harmony work. Him and uh, uh, Barry Gaudreau were amazing. Mm-hmm. You know, um, obviously. Ben Brie- Lizzie. I'm sorry about was that? Uh, Ben Lizzie, another oh, band. Yeah. That- oh, yeah. I mean, that's why. And it's so funny because, you don't, you know, as I got older, you, you hear it. And they're, and they're like, oh, yeah, Thin Lizzie was an influence. And I'm like, I, you know, I remember the boys are back in town and stuff. But then you go back, you start listening to the earlier catalogs. And you're like, wow. And then it was, I think, 1982. After Number of the Beast came out, there was like a big metal explosion. I got, you know, I got screaming for vengeance. And I saw Priest and Maiden at the Garden, you know, Priest and the Beast. And by then I'm like full blown metalhead. You know, there's I don't want to hear anything else but like two guitar metal. My friend played me Accepts Ball to the Wall album, and I heard the solo and turned me on and Love Child, and I'm like, this is who I want to play like. Like uh-huh. Wolf Hoffman, you know, Wolf Hoffman just did it for me. You know, I'm like, the guy's got chops. He's got melody. He's he was a musical guitar player, and then I, you know expanded to guys, and I started listening to Michael Shanker. You know, listen to the old school players that influenced a lot of the new guys but uh you know i always wanted to be ace i can't play any ace licks now i bought a les paul recently just so i could learn ace licks you know because you're like you know be by les paul you gotta learn jimmy page and ace freely licks but uh <laughs> but okay. i'm i'm into that you know that was my influence was gary moore i saw him live and you know before his blues days i saw him playing metal and these guys were just so aggressive, so like in your face guitar players, you know, Randy, all these guys, but they were so melodic, you know, and that's why the newer generation of players I hear now, some of them are just unreal, but they don't catch my ear until I hear them making the guitar sing, if you will. Like when I always, my philosophy is like, if you're going to write a guitar solo for a song, make it something that when the vocal ends, the person listening to the song can sing your solo and it goes right back into it. You know, and that's what a lot of these guys do. They are technique-wise, they're phenomenal players, but they can make it sing. And that's why, like, I love bands. Like, I saw Arch Enemy for the first time when they opened for Maiden uh, during the Dance of Death tour, and uh, they would blew me away because I love that heavy stuff. But the music was so melodic. You know, like like a lot of the bands out of Sweden, like Evergrey, uh, Arch Enemy, stuff like that. Because it comes down to just I love melodic guitar I, I love heavy but I, I want people to be able to like sing through different parts of the song it shouldn't just be sing the chorus and then his filler stuff here's a guitar solo here's a riff you should be able to see, sing a song from the beginning to end and that's how if you notice like the stuff on this cd our songs sort of follow that formula if you will you know there's that's why like you know in the beginning of alone in the dark I wanted to put that harmony line in to catch your, like, right off the bat, you like, you can start humming it, you know? Mm-hmm. And even at the end, when Mike is singing at the very end, I'm backing his his vocal with a harmony guitar line because you can sing it. And, you know, and that's that's how that's how I write. Uh, our drummer, Mike, his, his influences are, you know, your typical great drummers, you know, huge Portnoy fan, uh, loves, you know, 
uh, big Lars Eric Ulrich fan because he's younger than we are, so he's he's into that later, uh, you know, generation of musicians. Um, Freddie, you can hear a lot of his playing on bass. He's very much into Bob Daisley, Geezer Butler. Harris is one of his favorite players. Um, and, you know, I told you the singer Michael sing pretty much everything. He never really has told me, like, who his favorite singers are. And we've never actually brought it up because, you know, I would just ask him to sing something. He would sing like anything, you know. And it's funny, the way we found him was when my original singer, Scott, left, uh, the music store I worked at, our music teacher's like, hey, I got a student who might be right up your alley. Uh, he's a hard rock singer. He gave me his band's demo. There's, they were called Repeat Offender. And on that demo, Mike sounds like Freddie Mercury. And I was like, yeah, this might work. You know, this might be kind of cool. And then he came down and then, you know, he was singing stuff like had that Mercury vibe, but then he could also just rip it open. And I was like, wow. You know, but it's funny. I never asked him who his big influences were, but I know all the other guys, you know, I can tell you who they were. And I'm, that's, I think you can hear it in the playing on this CD. You could definitely hear the drummer Mike's progressive uh, vibe, just the way he plays. He plays musically, very musically, you know, like Neil Peart, Portnoy, uh, guys like that. Uh, Freddie's definitely uh, got that old school vibe, that Bob Daisley geezer vibe. Um, and me, I just, you know, I hope my solos, you know, when you when people hear them, they can hear little bits of guitar plays. I try not to sound like one guy because I can't. <laughs> so I try to take all my influences and make them into something like, like I had a friend of mine say, Oh yeah, I can hear a little bit of Adrian Smith here. Then you got a George Lynch vibe then you go, you know, a little bit Gary, you know, and then you close it with Shanker. I'm like, you know what? It's just what comes to my mind. I, I hear these old bands, these new bands. What's in my mind is when I write and that's what it comes to. So. Yeah. I think it's funny. Uh, speaking of kiss, I was a kiss fan first as well. And uh, I remember um, when they did the unplug thing, uh, they're talking. Ace was talking about it uh, later on in his book, and he said, uh, Paul went up to me and said, Hey, you should do shock me. He said, Uh, hey, you show me, you show me you playing that on acoustic guitar, <laughs> that, that, that lead. And uh, <laughs> he said, yep. The only way I can play that is turn to 10. <laughs> You know, it's funny you say it because last night when I came home from work, I had some time. My wife and kids were actually in New York uh, and I was home. I'm like, oh, I got quiet time. And I was like, can we go through the DVR? What haven't I watched? And I found that special on A&E or, or biography was the, the whole Kiss story. So I'm yeah. watching the second half and it was that whole thing. They showed the the acoustic set and Paul Stanley saying, you know, they showed like behind the scenes when they were learning how to play it. And he's like, I can't play this stuff on acoustic. You know, how are they going to do this and stuff? And yeah, I mean... <laughs> <laughs> to be honest, when I pick up my acoustic, you know, my friends like play something on the acoustic. I'm like, first of all, I'm not going to sit here and play any Oasis songs. Don't expect that. I go, second of all, acoustic is not an easy guitar to play. Don't think, you know, like, yeah, I can play an open G chord and stuff like that. But I go, you, you don't, I can't just sit down and play an acoustic and sound like I know what I'm doing. So when I watch that unplugged and it's like, yeah, I mean, between Bruce Kulik and Ace doing that stuff, that had to put a strain on the fingers. I'll tell you what. <laughs> oh, absolutely. But uh, yeah, it's, it's funny how like, you know, now as you're older, you, you like you were saying, even with Kiss, you know, back in the day, you listen to bands like Kiss and you maybe you got in, you got into them because of the hype of Kiss and everything. But now as I'm older and I'm a musician, you know, you still have those haters for every band. Oh, this band, you know, Kiss was just a hype. They're the worst musicians in the world. They're this, they're that. 
you know, and like even the Beatles, like I listen to the Beatles now, and I, what I listen to is Paul McCartney's bass lines because it's like, mm-hmm. like you know, you listen to this bass line of Lucy in the Sky, you're like, that's a sick bass line, you know, it's like, you know, and, and, and I think as you get older, you become to you learn to appreciate all aspects of music. I can't listen to rap though, I'm sorry, I can't listen to rap. Uh, I can't, I just need something loud and heavy sometimes, you know, but, uh, mm-hmm. like my kids are into K-pop now and that just drives me absolutely fucking up. <laughs> but, you know, it's funny. I, my daughters are uh, 12 and 13 and two years ago, I took them to see Maiden during the Legacy of the Beast tour. They grew up on metal since I, since they were babies. They heard me playing metal and they knew every song, you know, they knew every, they were singing along and everything. And now it breaks my heart when I come home listening to, uh, BTS. I'm like what happened to you two? <laughs> you know? Right. Like, but I'm like, you know what? I'm cool. It's like, as you're listening to music, I, I'm I'm happy. That's and that's what it's all about, man. You, music just, it's it's that savior. Like like you said in that uh, in your little clip in that video, which is great. You know, metal is still alive. Just you know, open your eyes, look around. It is here. Don't don't take the wrong pill. And I totally love that. That that's so true. Yeah, I think uh, one thing I noticed, you know, like especially among my peers, you know. The one of the reasons I started the podcast was all my peers are go, listening to the same music they listened to in 1980. Right. And um, like, um, do you realize that life carried on after school, right? Yeah, yeah. <laughs> and that's and, you know, and that's why when we we did this stuff, I, I you know I didn't want it to be completely like everybody's like, oh, it's got that 80s vibe. I'm like, I didn't want that. That's why I went wanted a little bit more progressive that's why i got different types of guitar styles in there because yeah like i told you i i love a lot of new metal you know if it's melodic it's going to catch my ear right away like uh there's another band i was listening to uh, a band called winter sun um same thing man heavy but so freaking melodic you know uh i love that's why i always was a big fan of euro metal bands more than american metal bands you know fates warning and queensrike were probably the two big u.s metal bands i loved only because they had that European vibe, you know, right. Uh, that the bands coming out of Europe are still playing that type of great melodic metal. They're heavy as hell, you know, um, but they're still melodic as fuck, you know, and that's where it, where it comes down to. And that's where it catch. It always will catch my ear um, because, yeah, I mean, I was never into that whole uh, cock rock hairspray stuff. You know, I mean, I love George Lynch. I love Warren Martin, Martini's players. But, you know, I, I remember seeing Monsters of Rock uh, with Halen and Metallica and Dawkins came on after Metallica. And I'm like, how do you follow Metallica? How? Right. I mean, you know, as, I love George Lynch. He's a huge influence. But I'm like, he had to be up there on stage going, how the fuck do we follow Metallica after this? You know? <laughs> right. And uh, even like, you know, so that's why like the American metal bands, nothing, you know, there's if in my CD collection is nothing maybe aside from you know, the first Rat album because I love Warren Demartini's playing and, you know, like one or two Dokken albums just for George's playing. You know, don't I don't say that they're bad songs or anything. It's just, I, I call it cock rock and I could never just get into it. You know, like sometimes when, when I'm listening to Hair Nation in the car, I'm like, Jen, please just play, turn the fucking station. I don't want to hear a Slaughter song. I don't want to hear this shit, you know? <laughs> well, I think uh, Lynch, um, once he broke away and did Lynch Mob, and his solo stuff since it's been the best thing for him. Oh yeah. yeah. I mean that first uh Lynch Mob album with only Logan on vocals is fucking same thing with like Jakey e. Lee. I mean his stuff with Ozzy was great, but when he did his first uh the Badlands album, 
Oh yeah. That shit was good. I mean, I always consider that to be like straight up hard rock on that verge metal because it still had a commercial edge, but it wasn't the cock rock shit coming out like your poisons, your you know, Britney guns, whatever the fuck those bands were, you know? And that's why and- those bands were like maybe the deviated from that formula, if you will. I don't know if you want to call it that. And his uh and he got shafted so bad by Ozzy anyway. Oh yeah. Yeah, I don't know if you know the story. He uh was uh warming up before a concert and uh Ozzy well Sharon brought of course brought out uh Zach and he said you might be plays a track. He you know, Jake's like, no, it's cool. And uh he came played the track and then after he played track, Ozzy came over and said, Yeah, you're out. Oh, and you know, if, considering it's Sharon Osborne, that's absolutely not a surprise at all. Right. You know? I mean, because you hear about the stories. I mean, I remember even during the uh, the Blizzard and Diary albums, you know, I, I've read stuff like what Lee Kirksdale and Bob Davis. Oh, yeah. You know? <laughs> you know? Insane. You know, yeah, for Ozzy's career, great. You know, Sharon did what she had to do, but, you know, you know, being a musician playing with Ozzy's band, you know, it's uh, it's like that movie I watched a while back uh, called Hired Guns. It was on Amazon. It was also on Netflix about all these musicians. I mean, like Billy Joel's band. These guys, they just basically they made the bands who they were they, with their playing, and then they were just written off. You know, and and then you find out about like stuff with Jake, how how much he'd written and how he got no credit for it. It's it sucks, and that's why when we did this stuff, you know, I told the guys in the band, I go look. I may have written everything, but this is for everybody. I go, you know, I, you know, I don't want to. I'm not here to say I wrote it. This is my band. This is this is us. This is all of us, you know. Because I was talking to drummer Mike last night about, you know, he's like, yeah, we start recording drums for the Awaken stuff. He's like, you know, what do you want to do with the Altered Mind stuff? I'm like, look, I'm going to start writing stuff now. Uh, we have the stuff. I'm going to start getting it ready to send to you. I go, don't feel pressured for anything. Uh, he's like, look, if you want to get another drummer, I'm fine with that. I go, no, no, dude. He goes, I, I said this is all about us. This isn't, you know, this is not my band and I have hired musicians. This is us four putting out a kick-ass, you know, CD and hopefully putting out a kick-ass follow-up. And that's my philosophy with it. Uh, obviously, in the music business, you know, you can't really have that philosophy if you plan, you know, it's a really cutthroat world, if you will. But, uh, you know, good for Ozzy. You know, you had Sharon, you know, sucks for the guys that play with Ozzy, but, you know, good for right. Ozzy. <laughs> <You know? laughs> and I wanted to know, um, what is the last CD that you listened to? Uh, the last CD, what I actually still have playing in my car now is uh, the last Arch Enemy album and the last Evergrey album that just came out. Uh, I just love the drive of Arch Enemy, man. Michael Arnott writes some ridiculously great rhythms. And then he's got that Shanker feel. So I can, I love that. And I've actually gotten into a lot of Jeff Loomis's stuff with his older stuff. So... Uh, and then, yeah, I got the new Fates album. But you know what I've been listening to more than that is the Arch Matheos album, uh, The Winter Ethereal. Yeah. Dude, that album is phenomenal. <laughs> you know, and uh, I love Fates, you know, I, and I love Ray Older. I even have Ray's solo stuff I recently was listening to. Uh, you know, I, the first song, Beautiful Lie, I love it. Um, and then I get into, you know, I have like it on shuffle. I, I have all my Fates and stuff on shuffle mode on my iPod. And as soon as the shit like, you know, Vermilion Moons comes on by Arch Theo, I'm like, this is how I want to fucking write. 
you know it's just it's just that's the shit i love you know but uh but yeah i mean it, i when i get in the car with my wife and kids we got the serious in that car so i listen to whatever comes on you know ozzy's boneyard or you know even liquid metal or whatever but in my car it's it's literally lately been arch enemy evergreen and arch Mateos. just i don't know there's just something some vibe about it i just love it but I listen to everything, you know, like I, when I'm sitting there on YouTube or I'm on the computer at home, I'll just, I'll listen to all metal, you know? And I wanted to ask you, um, what's the best way to get merchandise for the band? So we did an initial run on t-shirts when this was all coming out. Uh, because like I said, this thing was just done for fun. Wasn't anything planned. Uh, within the week I sold a hundred t-shirts, we're in process of getting more t-shirts, but the supplier says probably nothing will be available till after new year's just because of the back ordering and everything. Um, we are actually been contacted by four different European labels about possibly doing distribution deals with them. I'm not going to say any more to that because I can't. Um, so it very well may be possible soon to get stuff online if you're in Europe. Uh, online here, obviously it's on Spotify, iTunes and stuff. We are, we have CDs and your CDs were originally put out by CD baby. And I found out from them that I could actually sell CDs through them. I was sending CDs out to whoever wanted one personally, you know, cause me and the guys in the band have a stock of them. And if people wanted a CD, they could contact me going, yeah, and I'll send them a CD. But now that things have gotten moving forward, we're, you know, we're in the process of trying to work that out. Like I spoke to CD baby and they said they could, do distribution for selling it if they want if we need it but uh right now it's just uh it's just a, it's a whirlwind i'll be honest with you you know it's just i wasn't expecting this response uh you know i got people you know that's why i just made the facebook page because this was not planned on anything so now my friends like did you really set up a facebook page we had an instagram page you know people asking to get the cd so in about a week or so i should have some sort of thing set up and, you know, I'll tag you on one of the on Facebook or on Instagram to let you know. So if you want to shout it out, but uh, we are in the process of trying to get that sort of that because it was not a planned thing, <laughs> but now it is a planned thing. Apparently. <laughs> you know, uh, and I'm, I mean, all of us are like extremely grateful for it. So we we're hoping we can do that, but the t-shirt stuff is, was a big thing, you know, and it's just, uh, they obviously with everything going on with supply and demand and stuff, you know, they're just like, there's just such a backlog on getting stuff that the earliest we could do it wouldn't be until after New Year. So I'm like, all right, you know, so people have been asking. I'm like, you know, eventually on the Facebook page, I'm going to make stuff available where you can get stuff. And I'm hoping in the next few weeks that, you know, we can get that up. But CD-wise, I think initially I'm going to contact CD Baby again because we do have pro distribution through them. And I may just be able to set it up on there. I know Amazon may be selling hard copies of the CD through them. But right now, the digital streaming is like the main thing. But we do have CDs, and I'm just trying to set it up so people can get them. I mean, if you want one, send me your info. I'll gladly send you one for nothing. You, it would be great for my promo, great for you to have one. Uh, and what's kind of cool about the CD is um, the, the, the guest players that are on it, uh, they're not going to be on the next one, obviously. So it's kind of like a cool keepsake for that fact, you know? And Absolutely. Plus the fact that my 13-year-old daughter, who is a – Photoshop Adobe graphic artist whiz put the whole cover together for me because me and the guys were doing it and she was like laughing at us. And I'm like, what is so funny? She's like, you guys are taking way too long to do this. I'm like, you can do it better. In one hour, she did the whole thing. And even some of the record companies that got them, like, all right, who's your graphic artist? And I'm like, 
this is my 13 year old daughter. <laughs> so, so on the back of the CD, I had to give her props, you know, CD layout by my daughter Kaylee. But uh, so that's why the CD is almost this this cut of the CD, if you will, is like a collector thing because if it does go in the path we're hoping it goes, it's not going to be the same type of layout and everything. But yeah, send me your info. I'd, I'd be happy to get you one. You just got to give me some di- couple of days because I'm like so backlog on requests now. Now I got the other guys in the band helping out. I'm like, guys, you got to start sipping CDs out because I can't do it all. <laughs> <You know? laughs> well, I greatly appreciate that. And lastly, I wanted to ask you, if you could give a message to your fans, what would that message be? Do it for fun because when you do it for fun, there's no stress. The product comes out better than you would expect. You're not doing things under the pressure of like, this has got to be great. This has got to be great. We didn't do that. We, we said, you know what, let's, let's have fun while we do it. Mistakes are made here and there. You learn from it because now on the next one, we know how to do certain recording things. But there was no pressure. And that's why maybe we hope it, it comes across as that on the CD and the, on the tunes that they are free-flowing and they don't sound forced. How's that sound? Does that make sense? Absolutely. Because, uh, you know, if you think about, you know, in the era we grew up in the 80s, how many sophomore jinxes did we see? Yeah. Yeah, and that's why, and what's bizarre is when this band's first inception happened in the 90s is when everybody was making demo tapes, trying to send them out to every company in the world, we had actually gotten interest from uh, DGC Records, David Geffen Company, when he had his little offshoot from his big Geffen Records. Yeah. And, uh, you know, it was kind of nerve-wracking. We were like, you know, 24, 25-year-old guys doing this, like, holy shit, holy shit. And then, you know, the singer left, things got started changing, and, you know, music started changing. And, you know, we went our separate ways, still friends, you know, but we never thought about it because we were, we were trying at that point, you're just trying to make something like, Oh shit. You know what? All these long Island bands are getting signed. Why can't we get signed? And, you know, and it was, it's a different era too back then, because back then, you know, the A&R guys would come out to see bands play live and they would see the reaction, you know, and now there's no such thing. I mean, this, this whole CD was recorded, you know, with guys from all over the world. There was no two guys and two more than once in a given room at the same time recording. And, you know, I'm getting, just from this streaming release, I'm getting, you know, emails and messages from, you know, these labels in Europe and who would have thought, you know, so it was just something done just for the fun of it, for, for our enjoyment. And that's probably why the product came out the way it did. And we were not pressured. I think once bands get pressured and they feel they have to do something because it's like, we're missing our window of opportunity. We're missing this. Then the product sounds forced. You know, it doesn't have a like a flow to it. And that's what we tried to do with this. And the next CD, same thing. You know, the songs we haven't written, they're in the same vein of this. They're very much into that progressive metal vein, twin guitar stuff. Uh, it'll be the same lineup. And I'm hoping that one carries across the same way this one did. You know, um, you know our songwriting is really, we want it to be heavy. We want it to be melodic. And we want it to be the average listener who doesn't listen to metal can listen to it and be like, wow, that's, that's good. You know? So. Absolutely. Good music is good music. Exactly. You know, except I can't listen to rap or hip hop. I okay. told you that earlier, you know, I'm sorry. I can't, <laughs> I just, I can't. I, I also wanted to ask you, <laughs> go ahead. I'm sorry. I also wanted to ask you, since we've been talking, 
um, made me come up with something that uh, did I lose you, Rob? Um, oh, I, I lost you for a minute. The last thing I heard was made me come up with, and I didn't hear anything after oh, that. Okay. Um, I wanted to ask you, um, did you hear the first heavy at Heaven's Edge album? I've heard it uh, probably in passing. Uh, I, I'll definitely take a listen to it if, you, if you're recommending it. I would, I would love to hear it. I, I know the band name, and, I, and I've probably heard it in passing. Yeah, the after the first album, it, it went in a downward spiral, but that first album, the guitar work is, wow. Just blows me away every time I hear it. Ah, cool. I'm going to check them out once we're done. I'll, I'll go check them out on YouTube. They can listen to them. Yeah, I, like I said, I, I know the band. Uh, it's just, you know, you, you hear so many bands, and uh, that's why it's just like, I know that name. I haven't heard that. So, But I will, I'll definitely take a listen to that. Yeah, I mean, you I like I think I made it clear you know what I, what my musical stylings are, what I like to listen to. So sure. that, if, that, if, that, if you think so, I'd love to take a listen to it. Excellent. Well, I want to thank you for taking time to speak with me today. It's been an absolute pleasure. I could talk music with you all day. Hey, anytime you want, we you know we're, we follow each other on Instagram. You want to friend me on Facebook? I music. I love to talk music all the time, and uh, I'm, I'm totally you know I'm uh, humbled by the request for this. And I know I did a lot of the yapping today. My wife told me to make sure to keep my mouth shut, but you know you got me rolling on talking music, and sometimes uh, you know. You can't stop that. <laughs> yeah, no problem at all. Uh, it makes it a lot easier, my job a lot easier. <laughs> <laughs> I'm here to help. <laughs> well, I wanted to thank you again, and I hope we can talk again real soon. And please oh. feel free, like I said, to update me at any time. Oh, for sure. And like I said, I'll contact you. We'll get some info, and I'll get you out of CD. And uh, once T-shirts become available, I'll throw one your way. But Right now, it's CDs. We definitely got uh, T-shirts. <laughs> That's a hot commodity, apparently. So, uh, <laughs> so we'll definitely do that. And yeah, I want to thank you once again so much for the opportunity to let me jab away, jabber away for about an hour with you. It was fun. It was uh, it was great to be able to talk music with a fellow fellow uh, person who appreciates the music and keeping metal alive. It's great. Well, thank you. Enjoy the rest of your day and. Uh... I will send links to the podcast and to the website when I post this as well. Oh, for sure. Yeah, because I'd love to put it on our uh, band page and stuff. And, uh, yeah, so all my friends can be like, did you ever shut up at once and let this guy get a word in? <laughs> <laughs> so thank you very much, Rob. It means, uh, it means a great deal to all of us, and especially to me. I do appreciate it. All right. Thank you, and cheers. Yeah, you as well, man. Thank you. Give me that info. I'll get you a CD, all right? All right. Take care, my friend. Take care. Bye. Take care. I'd like to thank you for listening to today's podcast. You can sponsor the podcast. Just click that button and you can be a member of the family. And remember, come see me for a fix.